Good morning. Welcome to the Marion Center. Uh, today we will be pleased to hear from Brother Donald W. Perry. Uh, just a little housekeeping. Following this session, if you would like to uh, speak with Brother Perry, if you have any questions or, or comments, uh, we would like you to congregate down here on, uh, on the, what would this be, my right side, your left, there's a little stairway. Um, we ask that people try to stay off the playing floor as much as possible, so Brother Perry will meet you at the bottom of those steps. One other thing, uh, you are more than welcome to take pictures of Brother Perry's PowerPoints, um, as long as you do not post them anywhere. Uh, we ask that, uh, you know, some are copyrighted and whatnot, so we ask that your photos be for personal study only and, and not posted to any social media. And with that, Brother Perry. The copyright laws are really tricky. That's why we asked about this. And, and uh, so, uh, I, I published all of this stuff before. And so we're not trying to be too picky or anything. We just have to obey the laws and the laws of the land. And I'm very strict about it. And, and that, that's why. So this is a privilege to talk about Isaiah. I'm going to start out by giving you the two top reasons, in my opinion, out of 11 two top reasons out of 11 why you should study Isaiah. And I hope you'll agree with me. Number one is found in 2 Nephi 11. And now I write some of the words of Isaiah, that whosoever of my people shall see these words may lift up their hearts and rejoice for all men. If you've missed this, what does Isaiah do when you read? <clears throat> it lifts up your heart and it helps you to rejoice. Now that doesn't sound like common sense at all. If, if you were like uh, me years ago, and Isaiah, are you serious? I, doesn't Isaiah have about destructions of Edom? Doesn't it have some uh, Isaiah speaking against the people of Jerusalem because of their false temple practices? How can this make you lift up your hearts and rejoice? But I want to bear witness to you that it works and if you're feeling down and, and you need <clears throat> you need your heart to be lifted and you need to rejoice and not only you but rejoice for notice the last two words all men open Isaiah and let it work for you and I'm going to give you some keys and I really hope that you'll uh, search Isaiah, and I hope I motivate you. I've got three stories or four stories, and I really hope that you, you do. Here's reason number two. Jesus Christ commanded it. He says, search these things diligently, for greater the words of Isaiah. Notice the verb he used as it's translated in English. Search. It's not read Isaiah, and it's not just search. It's search these things diligently. If you don't know what diligently look, uh, looks like or what it means, look it up in your dictionary. And I really want you to live this commandment uh, so that you'll rejoice, so lift up your heart. And I don't know about you, but when I keep the commandments, that alone helps me to uh, lift up my heart and rejoice. So here are two reasons out of 11 that are found in the Book of Mormon. 11 reasons, two 
that may motivate you. Uh, I'm going to tell you, my wife and I keep the commandment of tithing. We keep the commandment of going to sacrament meeting. Uh, we keep other commandments. And we also keep this commandment. Search these things diligently. And it's worth it. So I'm going to give you some keys. Some of them are a little mechanical, but once you get past the mechanics and let the spirit open it up and teach you. So uh, this is the great Isaiah scroll. It's one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It dates to 100 BC. Uh, it's an amazing scroll. I've worked on this in person. Uh, as part of my research for BYU, I worked on the Dead Sea Scrolls. I worked on the non-biblical text, biblical text, and also first and second Samuel, but mostly on Isaiah. In the Isaiah scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, I present to scholars from all faiths around the world and go to different venues, and I present on Isaiah and new findings on Isaiah and so on. So it's, uh, it's a very, very important text to me. This is what the Isaiah would have looked like when Jesus went to Nazareth and someone handed him a scroll and he opened it and he cites from Isaiah. It would have looked similar to this. Here's a close-up of the very opening paragraph. And it's, uh, notice it's a little bit worn. And I, I should have brought my pointer up with me. Oh, these are great photos here. I'm glad, glad they're turning out. Um, I'm going to grab my pointer, just a moment. Got to watch this floor. So I'll, I'll show you a couple of interesting things. This is the very beginning, you read it uh, right to left. And I'm going to use this pointer here. Maybe it won't work. Oh, it doesn't work. Can you see it right here? I'm pointing here. Some of you? That says uh, vision, but it's in construct. So it's the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he envisioned. Literally, it's not what he saw or what he saw in vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem <clears throat> in the days of, and then has the days of these kings. But I want, this is very powerful, this was so worn out, um, so used, at least the first uh, columns, that they took a, a, a leather and, and glued it to the back of the original leather. Can you see that dark leather there? And some of it here, and there's some. So this was well used. And I've done a lot of research on this scroll. Here is, someone took me a photo of researching this in the scrollery of the Israeli Museum in the basement where no one can go but the scholars and the museum curator. And I met with the cur curator. You have to have permission, written permission to go and, and use this. And in 1994, January, I was invited to work on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Invited by the head guy, his name is Emmanuel Tov, a Jewish scholar. He lives in Jerusalem. He personally invited me to work on the scrolls. And he's a great guy. Guy. Since then, he and I have done a lot of scroll projects and books together. 
So here I'm working on this scroll. It's 23 feet and a half, uh, 23 feet, six inches long, 10 inches tall, and I'm, I'm reading different parts of it. I went through the entire thing, and one of the first books I, I, I wrote, it's in Hebrew. I'm not trying to sell you a book, it's in Hebrew. Um, uh, Emily sitting over here could read it, but she's probably the only one in this in this group. So um, I want to show you something kind of funny. Now, when you open it, if you if you see my pointer, notice how ragged it is, how used it is along here. So you start here. That's the first column. They didn't have pages; they weren't invented. You read it this way. And right here you can see that there's another piece of leather gluing to the back. But as you read along, it's less used. So my theory is that Essene Jews who own this started to read Isaiah and they found it too hard and they stopped. And it reminds me of a joke I heard once, and some of you will know this joke, so out of courtesy, go ahead and laugh again. And it is uh, uh, two missionaries were attracting and there was a, a stray bullet, a drive-by shooting, and a stray bullet hit the missionary, but he had a Bible in his coat pocket, and the bullet went into the Bible and saved his life. This is just a joke, and the bullet went through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and so on, but it stopped at Isaiah, the bullet, because it couldn't get through Isaiah. <laughs> So that's the way with a lot of us. We'll read the Book of Mormon, and when we get to the Isaiah chapters, we'll, oh, no, let, let's get to Alma. I understand that. But if God commands us to search something, uh, he doesn't command us unless we can do it. So I'm going to try to help you with this. Now, this picture, someone took it, and then they put it online. And I've had some success with things online, but... Once or twice people put my presentations online. Hey, this is a great presentation by Brother Perry. Look at it. But it, it was taken out of context, and then people didn't understand it. And they broke some copyright laws. But I want to notice the same picture was uh, published in a high school German textbook. And this is written in German. If you can read German, it's great. You can tell me what it says, and hopefully it says good things. Um, and, and the same picture has been published in another German high school textbook, and then and also an algebra textbook. Totally out of context. Has nothing to do with algebra whatsoever. I talked about the same photo, and it's, it's really funny because in Melba, Idaho, where I went to high school, they barely had textbooks. And to have one with a picture of a Dead Sea Scrolls scholar would have been unheard of. Um, so I just thought that was funny. Now, there was a, a clay seal that, that I pictured here that has the name of Isaiah on it. Did it belong to the prophet Isaiah? We don't know. Were there a lot of Isaiahs then? We don't know. It was found in Jerusalem, and he was a Jerusalem prophet. So some, uh, this is published, and some scholars have, and I gave, gave you the website, just so you know I'm doing it with permission for educational purposes. And so it, it's just interesting, and it dates to about the time of Isaiah, around 700 BC. So uh, it may or may not be, it doesn't prove Isaiah existed, that's a spiritual thing. Uh, 
and um, just for your information. Now Isaiah's name is special, it means Jehovah is salvation. What a name. His wife, we don't know her name, she's called a prophetess. And he had a couple of sons, each, each of the sons had special names that uh, uh, prophesied of something that was forthcoming. <clears throat> and he served during missions and, and Isaiah 6, he saw God in the temple. He was a witness of God. More on that in a minute. Now, did Isaiah attend the Salt Lake Temple dedication? After the dedication, President Wilfred Woodruff spoke to the group and, and he said this, and I've got quotes coming up, so I, he says, Joseph and Hiram Smith were there, Brigham Young, John Taylor, and now the quote, you can get the whole quote, I gave, I give you the source, and all the good men who had lived in this dispensation assembled with us at the dedication of the Salt Lake Temple as also Esaias. Now, Esaias is the way they write Isaiah's name in the New Testament. So I think this is Isaiah. Also, it's collocated right by the name Jeremiah. So I think this is Isaiah. Would Isaiah go to the temple dedication? Remember, he prophesied about it. Isaiah chapter two, verses one through four. So it's likely he would have gone. Jeremiah and all the holy prophets and apostles who had prophesied of the Latter-day work. Now, if that's not mentioning Isaiah, at least we know he was there because it says all the holy prophets who testified or prophesied of the Latter-day work. And Isaiah did that. I'm going to show you on the screen later. So whether that's Isaiah or another person, at least we know he's there. And a heavenly host. They were rejoicing with us in this building, which had been accepted of the Lord. Now, remember, Isaiah lived under the law of Moses, and they only had the Aaronic priesthood. Uh, for 1,300-ish years, and uh, but all the prophets held the Melchizedek priesthood. They were ordained by the hand of God Himself. So, uh, so for for Isaiah to see uh, uh, an Aaronic priesthood temple ordinance and a Melchizedek priesthood temple ordinance temple restored to the prophet Joseph Smith would have been a remarkable uh, blessing. And to have him in Salt Lake would have been a huge blessing. So that's uh, something to think about. All right, here's key number one. Learn the manner of prophesying among the Jews. Second Nephi 25, behold, Isaiah spake many things which were hard. They're hard for us too, for my people to understand. Here's why, because they did not know concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. Now, I've studied this a lot. One of the manner of prophesying among the Jews is the form of poetry. Isaiah's poetry is hard. When I was in high school, in Melba High School, the poetry there was so hard, the English and British poetry. Uh, now I read it and it's a lot easier. Well, Isaiah's poetry is hard, but I don't think it's hard now. And I've researched Isaiah uh, intently since 1994, since January 1994, in the Hebrew, and I teach it to my students here at BYU in the Hebrew, and we'll read and translate it. But it was hard at first. So uh, let's look at the poetry. The poetic parallelisms usually have two lines. Now I want to emphasize that. They're, they're not like 10 lines or 20 or 30. An entire poem is, but it's, they're made of these little little short poems, two lines. I'm going to take you through about eight or ten, and then I'm going to ask you, and I can see if you raise your hand, if, if, you, if you get it. 
So here's the first example. Uh, the two lines parallel each other in some way, they correspond. So the first example is here, O heavens, and give air, O earth. That's a little poem. Notice what corresponds here and give ear. Give ear is like this. It's another way to say here. And then all in O, that's called the vocative. And then heavens and earth, it's uh, the Lord's commanding those in heaven to hear Isaiah. That's very interesting. Do the angels and those in heaven read Isaiah? I think so, absolutely. Is he's such an amazing prophet. And then those on earth, and those are symbols. It's not heavens, the skies listen to Isaiah, the clouds and the stars listen up. No, it's the people in the heavens and the people on the earth. Here's another example, uh, two examples. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. That's a little poetic parallelism. What's, what's parallel, what corresponds? Sinful and iniquity, nation and people. Okay, go to the next one. A seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. What corresponds here? Seed or offspring, children, evildoers, corruptors. So another, see how it parallels? Here's, here's another one. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel. What's parallel here? They, they. Have forsaken, have provoked. And then two names of God. The Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Here's another one. The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. So you have the, the, the definite article, whole and whole, head and heart, two body parts, sick and faint. Synonymous. Here's another one. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. So your and your parallel. Country, geography, cities, geography, desolate, burned with fire, destruction. Modes of destruction. Here's another one. I'm going kind of fast. This one is two lines, but they're long, and I had to wrap them for this. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. What corresponds here? Hear, give ear. Word, law. Lord, God, ye, ye, correspond. Rulers, people, Sodom, Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed a thousand years earlier. Why are they speaking, why is Isaiah or the Lord through Isaiah speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah? It's because Jerusalem and Israel was, uh, they are doing actions like Sodom and Gomorrah, wickedness. So God is really getting at them. Ye rulers of Sodom. It's, it's like, I'm going to really, really hit you strong with this. You're doing things like Sodom and Gomorrah. Why can't I read ye rulers of Bethlehem and ye people of Gomorrah? Or ye rulers of Jerusalem and ye people of Gomorrah? Because Sodom and Gomorrah were sister cities and they both were destroyed at the same time. There's really depth we can go here. Here's a couple, here's another one. Here are two more. Wash you, make you clean. Wash, clean, uh, make clean, you, you. It's a little tiny one. So you can have small ones. Put away the evil of your doings. Cease to do evil. How does that correspond? Put away, cease, evil, evil, doings, do. You have to study these. I'm going fast, I know. We could spend a lot of time on each one of them. OK, 
Okay, here's another one, long lines. So I had to wrap them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. How is that parallel? Spreading forth hands was the gesture of ancient prayer in the temple. So spreading forth the, the hands in the temple and making many prayers. See how those parallel? Spreading forth hands, meaning the temple posture of prayer and making prayers. And then notice this, I, I, the two lines, will hide, will not hear, I'll hide my ears from you, I will not hear. Now, hear uh, implies ears. I will not hear with my ears. So I'll hide my eyes and I will not hear with my ears. So eyes and ears and so on. Okay, I've got a couple more. I've actually got two more, so I hope that's enough. Um, there are 1,100 of these, and we could go through all 1,100 1, if you want to spend two or three days. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy, but ye, the wicked, shall cry for sorrow of heart. So here's an opposite. My servants, the righteous, they'll sing, and notice from the joy of their heart, one of the emotions of the heart, but ye, the wicked, you're you're going to have another emotion from the heart. So heart is found in both, uh, but as a disjunction, so it's going to tell you something opposite. Ye will cry for a sorrow of heart. So one, one's going to, with the voice and with the mouth, uh, sing with joy. The other one, with the voice, is going to cry out because of sorrow of the heart. So that's a parallelism. And then notice this one. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, she that bare you. It's a little parallelism. They correspond. How do they correspond? Abraham and Sarah. Yes, they're opposites. Man and woman. Husband and wife. Your father, yes. Oh, shouldn't it say in Sarah, your mother? Wouldn't that make it more parallel? No. And to Sarah, she that bare you. That's what a mother does, so she's the mother. It's a little parallelism. You can study these for a long time, and I suggest that you look very closely, and, and they're not, they're all wrapped in the King James. It makes it harder. Um, we actually put them in uh, parallelistic, you know, the two lines in a book years ago to make it easier. But you should know that they're 1,100-ish. You might say, Brother Perry, you have to be bored boring to sit there and count parallelisms in Isaiah. Why don't you go mow your lawn or water your garden? And I say, I don't have a garden. And, and that's um, not, not this year. Some years, but not this year. I do have a lawn and I pay someone else to do that. Sorry. I used to mow it myself. So you can say whatever you want. I might be boring, but they're 1,100. 1, Guess what? There are 130 chiastic forms in Isaiah chiasmuses. And I really think Nephi got the idea of chiasmuses when he read Isaiah. I think he learned about chiasmuses. And I, I'm not going to show you any of those today because of the time. But you should know that one of the 30 um, Hebrew, Hebraisms in the Book of Mormon is chiasmus. And there are th 325 good examples of chiasmus in the Book of Mormon. That has totally befuddled those who are opponents of the kingdom of God because they can't address that one. Um, how did their, how was their 300 
chiasmuses in the Book of Mormon. Fine examples. Um, and knowing uh, that there's only one way, God uh, gave Joseph Smith the power to translate. He translated the Book of Mormon. It's a translation, it's not a text that he wrote. So notice that. Now, I'm going to give you story number one and hopefully motivate you a little bit. So you might say, can I? Can I really understand Isaiah? I, 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 was, I can barely read, or, or, or uh, it has big words. Uh, so can, can I do it? Yes, yes, yes. God commanded it, you can do it. It might take months or it might take years. And, and you might uh, just study, maybe a verse a day or two verses or three verses. I wouldn't go a chapter because you'll lose a lot of the meaning. That's just, just me. Um, maybe I would, maybe I misspoke. Well, actually I do, so I misspoke. So here's a story about persistence. It has nothing to do with Isaiah, except if you persist, you might understand Isaiah. Um, now, I don't know how to say this name, and it's sad because I'm a, a gospel doctrine teacher with a dear sister who came out of Korea. And, uh, but I didn't have the name in my head, and I saw her and talked to her yesterday, but I don't know how to say it. Cha Sasun? I have no idea. Uh, I might be way off. And if we were a smaller group, I'd ask if there's a return missionary that could help me. Um, she's a 69-year-old widow in South Korea. She tried dozens and scores of times to pass the written test for her driver's license. She was poor, she'd have to take a bus and pay a big fee and travel to, to take the test, and she took it, she failed. And then she, she went again, and you can only take it like once a day, and she failed, and again, and again, and again, and, and 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 100 times, and she failed. And everyone in the, uh, the driver's license, whatever they call it over there, the office, knew her when she came in, and she would try, try again, and she kept trying. It is written in Korean. We're not saying it's written in English, and she's trying to understand it. And she kept trying, and this is how often, this is when she finally succeeded. True story. It made, made major newspapers and magazines in the United States, and made major news in South Korea, to the point that this dear lady, um, I don't know how to say this either. The car manufacturer Hyundai, I don't know, I might be messing it up, uh, gave her a free car and then took pictures of her so they could advertise. And here's why she wanted to learn how to drive. She wanted to take her children to the park. Uh, her grandchildren is what I meant to say. So a righteous desire. This is a photo of her, this is the real person. 950 times. You study Isaiah, and, and start with Isaiah 53. That's my suggestion. Start with Isaiah 53. It's a great passage on the atonement. And treasure each word, and as you study Isaiah, be sure and look at the, uh, uh, the beauty of his language, even though it's in English. Uh, and feel the Spirit teach you, and learn about the Savior and his atonement. And start with one word or one phrase to the comma, and see if you can figure it out. Uh, and what's this mean? But Isaiah 53 is a good one to start with. 
Now I'm going to go to part, I'm still in part one, but I'm going to go to another one. It's called Learn the Manner of Prophesying Among the Jews, so I'm still on that. And they use symbols throughout. Every prophet uses a lot of symbols. If you don't get symbols, it's really going to be hard, hard for you if you don't. So to understand symbols, think of baptism, the ordinance. And the, the ordinance of, um, think of the priest holding the right hand to the arm of the square. And I'm not going to do it because it's a sacred gesture. Think of immersion and immersion. Bring you back up. What's that represent? Go to Romans 6 and say, okay, baptism. What's the water? Why water? Why the white clothing? And another set of symbols is, is a sacrament. What's the broken bread? What's the water? And, and, and that's what we mean by symbols. But Isaiah, so I'm going to give you a handful really fast. Clouds, God. I have blotted out as a thick cloud by transgressions and as a cloud by sins. Now, you, even if you just read that uh, Thursday, and you say, I'm just going to read this one. What does that mean? What, what do the clouds do? Um, what does that mean? He blots them out, our sins. Does that mean he's blotting them out so he can't see them from heaven? Uh, the, the clouds bring water and rain, and, and we've been really blessing Utah to have a lot of rain in the recent days. Answers to prayers, I know it. Every drop of rain is an answer to prayer. One day I was on my morning walk on a trail along the Spash Fork River, and I said, Heavenly Father, no one was around me, and I said, we really need rain. Please bless us with rain. This is about a month ago. And immediately, with no clouds above, I felt four or five drops on my head. It's like 6 a.m., and so I didn't have need my hat yet. And I, I knew it was an answer to prayer immediately. Brother Don, or son Don, or whatever, I'm in control. I heard your prayer. Here's an answer immediately. Uh, when it's time, I will give Utah lots of rain. I'm in charge. So is it the clouds move about? Is it because they represent glory? Uh, you figure it out. Here's the next one. Soldiers. Isaiah 58. If you fast properly. Th this is another chapter to start with. So choose between 53 and 58. I start with 53. Your righteousness, if you fast properly, sisters, brothers, your righteousness will go before you and protect you. It'll be like you're walking and there's your righteousness protecting you from evil and bad, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. See, it's like soldiers. You'll have soldiers ahead of you, but they might be angels that are much more powerful than soldiers, and then you'll have someone watching the rear guard. Not too hard to understand. I'm jumping around. Isaiah 40, behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket compared to my glory and my power, says the Lord. You have to read the whole chapter. The nations are as a drop. The nations are powerful. They have all these powers and they have technology and they have all these things that are good and everything. But compared to the Lord, they're a drop and are counted as a small dust of a balance or a scale. You put a little dust, compared to me and my power, the nations are a drop. That's not too hard to understand. How about colors? If your sins are scarlet, your, skins, your sins are the color of your blood. But because of me and I'm the Savior, 
They'll be as white as snow if you repent properly. Here's another one. I, God, will sweep Babylon, he's speaking of the, the evil country Babylon, with the besom, but that's an old-fashioned word. You don't know what besom is? B-E-S-O-M, look it up. Broom, oh, I get it now. God's going to sweep Babylon and destroy them so thoroughly that what's left, he's even going to sweep up. This shouldn't be easy. He, the Lord, will feed his flock like a shepherd. Okay, we have a simile here. He'll gather the lambs with his arms. Jehovah is going to take us and all the righteous as a little lamb and put us in his arms. I don't think that's too hard. Mother. Jehovah's like a mother, as one who his mother comforted. Do you know, do you not know how a mother comforts? Maybe some have missed this. Uh, one of my grandchildren who was the only grandchild who was adopted missed all of this. But hopefully most of you had a mother who would comfort you. So I, the Lord, will comfort you. Do you know what it means to be comforted by a mother when you're a child, when you're older, when you're 20, 30? That's how I, the Lord, will comfort you. That's not a hard symbol. How about this one? Zion, who's a female in the scriptures, said, the Lord has forgotten me, has forsaken me. The Lord says this, can a woman forget her sucking child? Are you serious? Well, there's too many things going on when a woman is nursing a child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget. A mother may forget, but I'll never forget. I'm God. See, this is a symbol. And you have to take it a verse at a time and understand it. And it helps to know that Zion is a female. Here's number two. I can't take this much time on all of them. Like in Isaiah's teachings to ourselves, I had to read, read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah. For I did write all the scriptures unto us, that it might be for our prophet learning. Wherefore I spake unto them, saying, Hear ye the words of the prophet, and liken them unto yourselves. Take Isaiah and liken it. I'll give you two or three example. examples. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. Are you, and you, and you, are, are you the sheep that have gone astray? I am. From time to time in my life, I, I, I broke a commandment knowingly, or I did this, or I did this. I've never been inactive. I'm not suggesting that. I've always been faithful to the prophets and to the Lord. Uh, but I am human and, and have transgressed. So, like sheep. Now, what's that mean? So, it implies Jesus is the shepherd. Elsewhere, we have explicit evidence. He's the shepherd. And he's trying to keep us here, but we've strayed over there where there might be wolves. And then we're in danger. <clears throat> or we might be near a cliff where we'll fall down. We're talking about sheep. So are you that sheep? Maybe, if you are, go the path of repentance and, and follow God. Um, uh, so, and I've already said this, scrutinize words. If you just study this, how, how are we like sheep that have gone astray? Just study that and ask that question. You could spend an hour in gospel doctrine on that verse alone. And okay, this one is, I've got another story. Here's the passage. O oh Lord, thou art our Father. And Lord, here's Jehovah. We are the clay. You say, wait a minute, we're not clay. Oh, this must be a symbol. Thou art 
and thou our potter. So now it's saying Jehovah is our potter, and we are the work of thy hand. Now to illustrate this, and, and remember we're likening it. So I had a group of BYU students with me in 1994 on a Hebrew study abroad in Israel. We went to Hebron, and we went into a, a shop where there was a potter, this very potter. This is him. This is not an internet fake or whatever. This is the guy. And while my students, I had 18, they were, uh, it's a small shop, maybe uh, as, uh, twice as big as this platform I'm standing on. And they were looking at uh, pottery that was for sale to take home. Nice gifts. And potter, pottery made by this potter. Some beautiful little cups and this. And I was over in the corner watching him at work. This very guy. <laughs> and here's what I watched. He, with his hands, would, would take the clay and mold a cup. You see the cups right below to his right. And he, he would mold a cup out of this clay, that cup, and they all looked the same. He was a professional. And then I started to time him. Again, you might say, Brother Perry, go mow your lawn. But uh, I, I just found it interesting. And he would, on average, make one cup every 45 seconds. Now, later I went to Aspen Grove up, up the canyon, and I tried this. And I tried doing something, and I had a potter training me, and there were several others. And I'd go like this, and some clay would go off and hit the wall and go off and hit. Hit, hit me and go off and hit the neighbor. And then I'd try again. I couldn't do anything. Of course, I wasn't experienced, but he was professional. And think of God, if we will let him work us in his hand as, as a professional potter, as the potter, then we'll come out uh, uh, a useful vessel. Okay, look at this one. Do you not know? Do you not hear? rhetorical questions. Don't you know this, brothers and sisters? Where have you been? Are you not paying attention? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Do you see the, the two sets of parallelisms here? It is he, Jehovah, that stretches out the heaven as easily as someone opens a curtain. So just read that one, and let that one, uh, two verses. So I have Alice in Wonderland, a famous uh, uh, drawing, and she's opening up this little curtain. How hard is it for this little girl to open the curtain? She walks over and she goes like this. Two seconds. She probably wasn't trained. She wasn't in training, and she, she does it so easily. That's how easy God creates the heavens. As easily as we can open a curtain like this, or as a child. See, that's what Isaiah's trying to teach. Is it too hard? Continuing with the same verse, it is he, Jehovah, that spreadeth the heavens out as a tent to dwell in. Now, I, I was a, a scout uh, up in Idaho, an Eagle Scout. I went camping a lot. We still go camping up uh, near Stanley, Idaho, and we pitch tents. Would I like an RV? Sure. A big motorhome? Absolutely. But for now, uh, that's when I grew up. For now, it's a tent. Tents are frustrating. Even if you have a good one, it takes 10 or 15 minutes, and you do this, and which pole do I use and which one? But it's God's sprint oh, uh, creates the heavens as easily as we uh, put up a tent. 
Consider this. Astronomers estimate that the Milky Way contains up to 400 billion stars of various sizes and brightness. Outside that, there are millions upon millions of other galaxies also. Go back to Isaiah. Haven't you heard this, brothers and sisters? Don't you know? It's the Lord that stretches out the heavens as easily as a little girl opens a tent. <laughs> Key number three, that I need I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord, their Redeemer. I did read them that was written by the prophet Isaiah. Oh, to persuade our neighbors and our children and grandchildren to believe in Isaiah, read Isaiah. What? Does he talk about Jesus? Yes. Now on the right, upper right, that's the word uh, Jehovah in Hebrew from that Isaiah scroll that I showed you earlier. It's beautifully written, very professional. It's four characters. And the name Jehovah is found 450 times in Isaiah. Jehovah is the premortal name of Jesus. So Jesus' name is found in Isaiah 450 times, each time with the context. Now the words Redeemer and Savior are also found there. It says Jehovah is the Savior. Jehovah is the Redeemer. In case you've missed some of those. And then below is the name Isaiah, and I cut these out. So here are some passages on the, uh, uh, the Lord in Isaiah. A virgin shall conceive and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. And uh, Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, quoted this and likened it unto Jesus. Is Jesus the fulfillment of this? Yes. For unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called. And then you have these six, uh, well, actually, they're, they're, they're poor names. Wonderful Counselor, there shouldn't be a comma there. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Four throne names, by the way. Uh, this is some child here, and it's Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor. They're both nouns, but no comma. He's the mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. I testify. Here's another one. This is Isaiah 53. He was oppressed, Jesus. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb, male lamb in the Hebrew to the slaughter, and as a sheep, female lamb. So here, here are two lambs, a male and a female, that prophesy of Jesus before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. And here again, you have a figure of speech called enveloping. Open not mouth, open not mouth. That's fulfilled in the New Testament, of course. I've got to go uh, miss some of these. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. We know that they spit on him, and when they did, uh, according to one law of Moses that's found in Leviticus, that would have rendered Jesus ritually or ceremonially unclean, so he couldn't go to the temple. I'm gonna, the second one, he's wounded for our transgressions. I'm going to skip some. I know some are taking pictures, and you might be a little frustrated, but I've got to get through here. Okay, story number two is really quick. Alexis Warburton, uh, this past week, she won So You Think You Can Dance. 
do I watch this? No. Did my wife call me for the final and say, you've got to watch this? Yes. Season 17 winner. Do you think she did this in the last two weeks, prepared to do this, or the last two years? She started as a child to learn how to dance. Now, the only reason I'm putting this up is she's a member of our ward, a faithful member in Woodland Hills, and we know her and her, her family. So just a little side note, can you study Isaiah? Yes, but it's not going to be like, oh, Christmas, you send me an email, Brother Perry, I get it. Maybe you'll say, Brother Perry, I'm getting parts of it, but it's going to take years to line up on mine, and that's a phrase from Isaiah. Here's number four. The prophecies of Isaiah shall be of great worth unto them in the last days, for in that day shall they understand them. If you live in the last days, you'll understand Isaiah. That's you. I, I bet the, the poor Nephites uh, wish they could li uh, live in the last days for this purpose. So I'm going to give you three or four examples of Isaiah prophecies that are being fulfilled. The first one is a chiasmus, and it's cited by a lot of our uh, brothers and sisters at conference and elsewhere. Whoa! That means bad news. Hmm. And to them that we call, that call evil, good, and good, evil. It's a little chiasmus. I told you that I'm aware of 125 examples of chiasmus in Isaiah. This is being fulfilled every day. So much so that my wife doesn't watch the news anymore. Uh, she, I don't watch it in front of her. Um, it's too frustrating for her. Here's another one that's being fulfilled. For a small moment I have forsaken you, said the Lord, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Another parallelism. Notice the contrast. Small moment, great mercies. I will gather thee. So it's speaking of the gathering. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment. So notice little and moment, but with everlasting, that means eternal, forever, kindness, I will have mercy on thee. Saith the Lord, and it's Jehovah, your Redeemer. So right here's uh, Jesus' passage, of course, and I wanted to cite our beloved prophet. Anytime you do anything that helps anyone, italics in the original, on either side of the veil, take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving your essential baptismal and temple ordinances. You are helping together Israel. It's as simple as that. And you're fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. This one I'm going to be fast. Enlarge the place of your tent, strengthen thy stakes. A Bedouin tent with courts and stakes dem demonstrates this. And in, in DNC, Doctrine and Covenants 8214, and see also section 133. Zion, be enlarged. See, the, the Lord is citing Isaiah. Enlarge your stakes must be strengthened. Zion, that's happening to you right now. You're living in those days. A marvelous work. Notice how marvelous work is found how many times in the Doctrine and Covenants. A marvelous work is about to come forth. About to come forth. About to come forth. It's being fulfilled. I'm going to skip this one. Okay, this, this story is Cliff Young. This was found in the church news uh, many years ago. And <clears throat> he was an Australian potato farmer and a sheep herder. Uh, Cliff entered a huge marathon called Ultra Marathon, 544 miles. I can't even drive that far. I can't even fly that far on an airline. 
Yeah, I can't really. He was 61 years old. He showed up. No one knew who he was. He showed up uh, to sign in for the marathon. He is wearing overalls and gumboots. If you don't know what gumboots are, I've got a picture of them. A lot of people uh, thought it was a joke. Oh, do you want to run this marathon? Look who you're running against. Ladies and gentlemen that are 19 and 20 and 25, look at, they have these uh, super modern sh uh, tennis shoes that are light and they have shorts on or whatever they wear jogging. You're going to, and they've been in training. You're going to try to beat them. And, and uh, as soon as the race started, everyone went way miles ahead of him. And here he was with his gum boots on, his coveralls, and he, he was doing a certain shuffle that people laughed at. You'll never make it, but that shuffle gave him more energy. I don't understand it, so much so that uh, running experts have watched videos of him to see his movements and how his, his body would move and so on, and they started using him. The outcome, he set a new record for the marathon. He beat everyone, and it took him five days and 15 hours. He's cut off about two, two uh, days. Why am I telling you this? If you study Isaiah and take time and learn line upon line, you will succeed and you will be obedient to God's commandment. Search diligently Isaiah. Key number five, understand covenants. And now I need to write more of the words of Isaiah. Now notice this, my soul delights in them. I hope your soul delights in them too. Also, my soul delighteth in the covenants of the Lord which he made to our fathers. And now I write some of the words of Isaiah. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Because of the time. Number six, know the judgments of God. Now, I, Nephi do speak somewhat concerning the words which have been spoken by the mouth of Isaiah. That they may know the judgments of God. That they may come, that they come upon all nations according to all that which Isaiah has spoken. This one is serious. This one you might say, well, when I read this one, surely I will be upset and it will hurt my heart. No, remember the promise. You will rejoice for all men if you study Isaiah. And here, here it's a book of judgments. And um, uh, uh, about 23 of the 66 chapters. Isaiah spoke against the world and worldliness and the wicked in Jerusalem and Judah and Babylon and northern kingdom and Syria and Damascus and so on. And uh, guess what? All of those communities were destroyed and fulfilled the word of Isaiah, the word of the Lord through Isaiah. Now, some of you might say, that's depressing, Brother Perry. No, look at it this way. God's judgments do two, two things. One is they get people to follow Christ. They get people to accept Jesus, come unto him, and then they're like us, and they partake of the sacrament, they go to the temple, and they're faithful. Number two, they take the worst of the worst of the worst off the earth so that they will not destroy our children and grandchildren anymore. Key number seven, understand the customs and geography. Second Nephi 25, five and six. There are 117 ge geographical place names in Isaiah. I did this after mowing the lawn. I, I looked. Many of these names are found multiple times. And just to give you a quick example, look at this. 
Achor, Ayaz, Ammon, you can't even say half of these, Arabia, these are all found in Isaiah, all names. Why did he use all these names? This makes it really hard for us. Why does he talk about Idumea and Israel and Heshbon and Gozum and all of these others? And who cares? Well, if you study a little bit of his prophecy and then you look at the context and, and some of it will make sense and you say, okay, I get it. Key number seven, this is the most important and I saved it to last, and it's this. The words of Isaiah are plain. You know what plain means? Look it up in your dictionary. Plain unto all those, not just to some, not just to this group or this group, all those that are filled. Wait, what's filled mean? Why not just say that have the spirit of prophecy? Why filled with the spirit of prophecy? What is the spirit of prophecy? It's the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19, I think. The testimony of Jesus. Do you have the testimony of Jesus? So the words of Isaiah are plain. Does that mean when you open the book, you say, oh, they're not plain. I must not have the spirit of prophecy. No, remember the first commandment. Search diligently. So it's not like, I'm just going to give it to you for nothing. Search it, and you will understand it. Now, I'm doing uh, uh, research presently on, on this aspect of Isaiah. It's very important. Peter said this. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For, because the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Isaiah didn't make this up. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that revealed to Isaiah will help you to understand and comprehend Isaiah. Okay. I'm going to stop with this one. How? Here's one. It's hard, but here's one. How they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. That's what I'm asking you to do. But this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. Now, I know uh, a dear sister in my life that can't fast. This won't stop her. She, she, her prayers are mighty. Physically, she can't fast. She'll receive the blessing. So I know there are some that can't fast. Therefore, they, now notice the therefore, this is fulfilling the motive clause. How do they know the scriptures? Fast, prayer, study. Notice, search the scriptures. That's what Jesus said, search. Therefore, they have the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation. So, I have about 60 seconds. Please don't close your, your uh, notebooks yet. I want to tell you, you can understand Isaiah. I've taken it as uh, uh, a personal goal to search Isaiah. I find joy when I read Isaiah. And, and, uh, my heart is lifted, as the scripture says. Now, someday I hope to meet Isaiah, and I hope, uh, humbly, humbly, I'll say, Isaiah, how did I do? Because I've tried to uh, share it with audiences, both scholars and uh, general audiences. I testify that Isaiah was a prophet seer. President uh, Nelson is our prophet seer now. Both testify of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for being here.